Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Pour of the Pages podcast. I am your co-host, Ashley. And I'm Brayden. This week, we are going to be doing a little fun episode about unpopular book opinions and our opinions on those opinions, basically. (laughs) It's hot takes. We're reviewing hot takes on Reddit. We're doing a real cop-out episode this time. It's not a cop-out. It's fun. Okay, it's a fun cop-out episode. Don't diminish our creative work. That's true. We are cre- <laughs> we create we are creating something so crazy here. It's gonna be intense. So stay tuned. Yes. So, uh, but first we will start with what we're currently reading. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So I'm currently reading Severance by Ling Ma, recommended to me by none other than um, Ashley Franks. Um, I'm about a quarter of the way through, and so far it's really great, honestly. It's basically, it's basically like a end-of-the-world pandemic-slash-zombie book. But it's got a little bit of everything. I'd say it has a little bit of coming-of-age... It's got a little bit of comedy. It's got a, it's got a lot, and it's like a, it's a really, it's a really fun experience so far. So yeah, that's what I'm reading. Ashley, what are you reading? Um, my main read right now is the Ten Thousand Doors of January, and this is a portal fantasy novel about a girl named January. It's like a historical fantasy situation, and so it's basically about her um, discovering that there are doors to other worlds, and she also like finds this book that like guides her through um, the different potential doors, and it's yeah, it's been really good so far. It's very whimsical, and the writing is fantastic. So I've been loving it. Yeah. Ten thousand doors or windows? Sorry. Ten thousand doors. Imagine opening 10,000 doors. Do you think you've opened 10,000 doors in your lifetime yet? I don't think so, you know? Because both houses I've lived in have been open concept, so there's not a lot of doors. <laughs> I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting pretty close, but like I don't know. Like, If you think about it, I could sit here and do the math of doing at least one <laughs> or two doors for each year of my life by every day, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say I'm pretty close to opening 10,000 doors in my life. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I don't it. know where those doors have gotten me, but I'm grateful for those doors. I feel like we do open at least one door a day because I wasn't really thinking about like doors into stores. Doors into and, like, stores. Doors into yeah. your own house. Doors into your car. Yeah. There's a lot of doors. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll do what we are drinking. But first, I'd like to make a public apology to um, Vanessa Marshall. Uh, I was mistaken. <laughs> Sorry. This is thinking, <laughs> thinking that Paul gave me last episode's beverage. But it was, in fact, his sister and longtime listener, Vanessa Marshall. And I can't apologize enough for not getting my fact checked straight. So this is me saying... Sorry. 
I'm glad I got that off my chest. That was fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Ashley, what are you drinking? Pardon? What are you drinking? Oh, so I am cheating a little bit today. And I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beverage, but it's still a fantastic non-alcoholic beverage. Um, La Croix. La Croix. I'm not exactly sure the pronunciation. <laughs> but it is of the peach pear variety for me today. Or what about peach you? Peach and pear? Yeah, it's a mix. Um, today, I'm drinking Aloha Sour by side launch brewing company i said i'm done with ipas for now <laughs> because i feel like every every single episode i drink an ipa and every single episode i go yeah that tasted like an ipa so i thought i'd uh mix it up and try this out and now i'm re get these ingredients barley milk wheat almond and soy Ooh, interesting. Good thing I'm not allergic to almonds. <laughs> or else Ashley might have to call the cop. Uh, call the cops. <laughs> Ashley might have to call 911 live on episode. How exciting would that be? That'd be so cool. Yeah, oh my gosh. Imagine the listeners for that one. Ooh. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways, I'm going to open my alcoholic beverage like a real person. I'm going to open my beverage also like a real person i'm gonna yeah i don't know what i meant by that but <laughs> i'm gonna pour it in it's pretty interesting stay tuned for more Ashley, how do you, what do you think about your uh, peach pear liqua? It is refreshing, super fizzy, and delicious so far. Okay. That could change halfway through the can, so stay tuned. We'll see. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So, yes, the meat and potatoes of today's episode is us going through a lovely post on reddit entitled what are your most unpopular book opinions and we're going to be reading them out on air live real time to you and if you use reddit you've probably seen this post yeah i mean i would certainly hope that everyone's in the r slash books community because it's amazing but <laughs> yeah ashley's gotten a lot of good recommendations from r slash books or r suggest yes. me a book r slash recommend me a book and r slash suggest me a book yes book community is on top baby let's keep it going so we're going to be unpacking all these we're going to see if people are uh correct or incorrect because our opinions are absolute so let we us... are fact <laughs> yep <laughs> we are never wrong about anything so uh let's get going precisely yep <laughs> i guess this first one is actually here <laughs> it's actually a really interesting one to start with. Like the the topic of it, all the the first one, is um, I prefer my Kindle to the point that I'll download a book on my Kindle even if we already own the hard copy. <sighs> I want to hear Ashley's thoughts. On this. <laughs> okay, 
Let me preface this uh, by saying I, in the past, had a burning hatred for e-readers because I believed in my heart that they were coming for the print book industry and <laughs> in a few years we would have no more print books and only digital books and that made me incredibly sad. So to the point where when Braden purchased his Kindle, I felt quite betrayed. <laughs> I didn't tell her for like a little while because I was scared of how she would react, if I'm being honest. I mean, we should put it out there that I'm not that reactionary, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> I mean, she almost left me, honestly. Oh my god. <laughs> this is fake news, but um, yeah. But I will say my opinions on e-readers have like shifted a little bit because I do see the function of them. You know, obviously when I'm traveling, carrying around a lot of print books can get heavy and expensive and just annoying. So I feel like the e-readers are good for on the go, but I definitely think that I would always prefer a hard copy unless I'm like always on the go and don't want to carry any books around. But like, that's what purses are for so i don't know i believe in both so uh i'm like the poster i will you even if we have a hard copy i will buy the i'll buy it on kindle because who knows like it's there's a quadrillion gigs of storage on there especially when you're only downloading text so it's like why not and especially you get a lot of good deals on kindle like you can get a bunch of books for free sometimes or like as cheap as two bucks so um yeah i like to have it on there just in case do i always read on my kindle no right now i'm reading severance and hard copy and i'm also reading the invisible life of Addie larue in hard copy so i'm not like a hundred percent on the kindle side but i like to have the option it's fair. I mean, I, I do think that if I tried an e-reader, I would grow to like it, honestly. But... You heard it here fo first, folks. <laughs> Ashley admitting that she might like an e-reader. Might being the key word, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next Okay, so this post comes from proper underscore grizzly, and they have said... I love slow, dry prose. I love long-winded explanations of what every character is thinking, the small actions they make, how they view the world around them, through long descriptions of physical space. Mishima covers, come, sorry, Mishima comes to mind as an example, especially forbidden colors. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. Honestly, yeah, me too. I love a like. We, we both nice really like slow detailed. burns. Yeah. And very, like, super detailed. Like, I want to know... I want to know what every grain of rice looks like. But <laughs> I uh, I agree with this one, honestly. Yeah, I love slow burns. I also love Mishima. So um, I yeah. can't agree with this post anymore, honestly. I didn't know this was a hot take. I guess if you don't like long-winded long explanations, then... You're, you're silly, honestly. Yeah, I think I'm just that... joking. <laughs> I mean, I think for me as a reader, I really like to like 
really picture myself in the world that I'm reading about. So Mm -hmm. when you have a really descriptive author, that that helps with that. So that's why I like descriptions. You get that a lot in fantasy books. And I feel like you need it a lot of the time to really bring you into the world. Because if you're in there for, especially if it's a long series and you want to be, you want to be put into that world. You want to be, you want to understand everything that's around and what you could, what could be happening. So I love slow dry prose probably not for everybody for us gets a big freaking check mark next the next one is spicy okay (laughs) like i feel i think we agree on it but uh yeah okay so this post comes from bunny shiver and it has a whole bunch of awards which i'm offended by (laughs) um and the post is the tattooist of auschwitz has to be one of the worst, worst in all capitals, books I have ever read. It is historically inaccurate, and it felt like fan fiction where the story takes place in Auschwitz. Um, I love The Tattooist of Auschwitz. I don't know I do how too. historically accurate it is, but just like the general joy, like the general enjoyment I got from reading it is good enough for me. I'm not in there being like date, time, what happened, how this happened, how whatever, like how on point it is with with it is historically. Um, if you're into that, then I can see why you might be a little bumped. But even if it I mean, feels like a fan fiction or a fan fiction, um, I'm I liked it. <laughs> This is one of my pet peeves about um, people who critique historical fiction. Mm. I think the key word is fiction. It's not a historical novel. It's not a historical book, like in the history section. It's a historical fiction book. And I read the acknowledgments and like the back, like part of this book where they talked about like gathering the information and stuff. And yes, it was loosely based off of an account that an elderly gentleman had told the author of the novel and which is why it was put in categorized as fiction so it's fiction obviously there's going to be some things that aren't bang on that's not the point of it so yeah people are just saying that it's like super disrespectful how like inaccurate it was and stuff but if you take out the historical and just look at the fiction would they say the same thing i don't know I just think like I know that like the other half of this this is that people are bothered because they feel like like I'm reading this comment underneath the original post and mm-hmm. it's, it says I felt dirty after reading that book to take something as atrocious and heinous as a concentration camp and turn it into a setting for what was basically a YA summer camp romance it felt so appalling and dismissive of the reality that people went through I don't understand how everyone just glosses over how disrespectful this book is I I strongly disagree with that. And I recognize that this is something that, I mean, everyone experiences differently and I'm not discounting this person's view of the novel, but I think that in this case, small moments like the ones that were described in the novel were what got people through being in concentration camps. That's how they renewed their renewed and held on to i think their will to live 
Uh, mm -hmm. That's what I think gets people through really difficult times like that. And so I think highlighting that is an important part of the history. But that's my, my own personal opinion, but... I just don't think you need to look at it all that serious in the first place, if it's just like a historical fiction. But we could be wrong. Who knows? But, I don't know. It's a fiction. What yeah, else? I mean... What you, like, and I don't, I don't think that it was like... My interpretation... It's been a while since I've read it, but when I read it, I don't think it was like so over-the-top, like fluffy type... No. Like, like concentration camp smut like it was not like that and at least not that i can remember i definitely didn't get that vibe and i feel like if it it did give off that vibe i would get that vibe but to me personally it didn't give off that vibe at all yeah but i don't know it has been a while since i've read it and when i initially read it i was not aware of like some of the criticisms of it i kind mm. of just took it for what it was and really enjoyed it but I think knowing what I know now about how some people feel, I would consider rereading it and, like, I guess reading it with a more critical eye. But Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a touchy subject for sure, for sure. I feel like anything that has to be, has has to do with, like, the Holocaust and that horrible time is, like, is going to be touchy for some people. So um, I feel like you got to tread carefully when writing about stuff like that. Next, 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 next hot, 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 hot Oh, this is this is probably one that keeps Ashley from reading this book. This will be a quick one because we haven't read this book. But the Testaments, while it was a page turner, it was a terrible sequel to a genuine classic, and the Booker Prize will forever be compromised for having awarded it a joint prize. Some books simply don't need sequels, and an open ending can sometimes be an amaz be amazing. <sighs> Having not read the Testaments, I <laughs> agree with this <laughs> the post honestly wholeheartedly on two counts. One, because I love The Handmaid's Tale, and I have been not read purposely not reading the Testaments because yeah, I believe in a a good standalone novel and I don't know if there needed to be a sequel however I have not read it so that's like with it that comes with a big asterisk and but I will also say I think that the joint Booker Prize situation was kind of nonsense um, because in like my mind I have 1000% believe the Booker should have just gone to Bernadine Evaristo, who wrote Girl, Woman, Other. I believe that I'm saying her name correctly. I'm going to double check, though. Um, for multiple reasons. One, that book is amazing. Yes, Bernadine Evaristo. And um, two, Margaret Atwood had already received a booker, if not two. I'm not entirely sure. I think she at least had one prior to winning the Booker for the Testaments. And she's an author who's super late in her career, very successful, very well respected. And so something like the Booker Prize, like obviously it's a literary honor to receive the prize, but I think that it's important for the foundation to also acknowledge what winning the prize can do for an author's career. And I think that 
while I love Margaret Atwood and I think she's a fantastic author, I think that her career like is already popping. Like she doesn't, she didn't really need a booker to like for people yeah. to recognize that her work was really amazing and that she was like a great author. Cause everyone kind of knows that already. Like she's written a classic, if not more than one. Maybe they're just playing favorites, maybe. <laughs> and like, I did think... she really? Did they really need to join the prize? Like, it seems like, like, what's the I... point of winning if you have to share your win? You know, exactly, exactly. And I honestly like from I. I think that, um, Margaret was kind of like in, opposition to winning the prize like I don't really think that she like wanted nor expected to win the booker for the testaments or at least that was the vibe that I got from when I read the interviews and stuff after that mm. happened so yeah and it was like it was the first time in I think all of history or like in a very long time that the booker prize foundation did a, do a joint prize and I think it was for a super unnecessary reason but the only thing the only reason I could think that they would feel so strongly about giving the testaments a booker is because the Handmaid's Tale did not win a Booker and probably should have. Yeah, it's weird that that one didn't, but the Testaments did. Yeah. I haven't read Testaments yet. Um, I did read The Handmaid's Tale and I just thought it was super good. Um, my mom's currently watching the show. That's a fun fact. She loves it. So you The show's so good. The show is uh, also good. Um, but yeah, I don't know if... like. I read The Handmaid's Tale, and I don't know if it... Like, I don't think it needed a sequel, if I'm being honest. But she gave it to us, and one day I'm sure Ashley and I will read it. Yeah. But seems unnecessary. I agree wholeheartedly. Next, Next hot take. Hey, 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 hey. This is more a general thing. I absolutely hate dust jackets. I can't stand to hold on to a book with one on. I don't want to keep up with it when I take it off and I just think books look better without them I always throw them away when I own the book crazy respectable but crazy I hate yeah. dust jackets too me too reading but with a dust jacket you can't read with them on yeah they're super annoying but they're but throwing they're pretty out. yeah they're, throwing them they're out is pretty. another thing I don't throw my dust jackets out I do go through the trouble of taking it off and putting them back on. This guy's going, or girl, or them. They're going to the next level, and they're just like, F this dust jacket. It's going in the trash. I think that's so crazy, because I, like, I also don't like dust jackets. I just I don't like hardcovers in general. I would, like, 1,000 times rather read a paperback. But Me too. I don't think the hardcovers look better without their dust jackets on. Because it's usually just a very plain cover behind the dust I think jacket. it looks like a classic book. Like, you know, like one of those classic hardcovers you see in, the, like, the used bookstores? Oh, yeah. Just, and if you have... I think they look good. I think... Um, but sometimes the dust jacket adds a lot, so... Yeah. It's curious. I, I can't believe people are out here throwing out dust jackets. <laughs> Next hot take. I wanted to touch on this absolute psychopathic way of thinking. Um, <laughs> pacing around my house while reading is superior to sitting or laying. What the hell is wrong with you? I mean, I get it. No. 
I like walking around when I'm reading. Apparently. I can't walk and read. I I like the the next comment is just how strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about it for sure. I mean, I like, mean, I guess whatever you're into, but I feel like I can't. Re- if I'm pacing, I'm not relaxed. I don't know. I. Walking and reading is not my preferred method of reading to sitting or laying down. However, I used to walk and read a lot when I was in elementary school because I loved to walk and read in the hallways between classes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, sometimes I'll walk and read if I like I'm reading a really great book and then I have to start getting ready for work, but I don't really want to put the book down yet. I'll continue reading while I'm doing, like, walking around trying to, like, get things going, which is not very productive at all, but... But, like, always choosing to pace instead of sit or lay when reading? It is unconventional, I'll say, but... (laughs) You don't think that's weird? You don't think that's twisted? I I think it's unconventional. (laughs) Because you never know. I feel like some people need to move, and so if that's the way that they can focus while reading, then... Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I did that, it would help me stay awake while I try to read sometimes, so... Yeah. I get it, but it is weird. Next Next hot take. The Alchemist was kind of stupid. I assume this is an unpopular opinion, because it's got awards and shit, and everyone's talked... (laughs) Everyone I've talked to says they like it. Uh, I just it's got awards and shit I love that it's got awards <laughs> and shit I um, haven't read The Alchemist so. oh that's right you haven't read it that's right The Alchemist was okay I don't definitely don't think I felt as strongly about it as a lot of the world feels about it I feel like it started off with this kind of cult following in people who like maybe more spiritual books and then it kind of grew in popularity, and obviously it does, yes, it does have awards and shit, so, you know, people like it. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't, like, it wasn't earth-shattering for me, to be completely honest. It was a good book. It was a solid read, but it wasn't like, ooh, The Alchemist. Yeah. I don't know. Alchemist book confirmed worse than Full Metal Alchemist manga. Go read that instead. <laughs> That's our final... <laughs> statement on that one. Next, Next hot take. Ooh, ooh. Ah, this hurt yeah, my heart hit me with, a little hit bit. Me with it. Hit me with it. Uh, Rupi Carr is a sellout who touts superficial cliff note emotions as bravery and compelling poetry. Her work feels empty and is frankly insulting to the woman with whom she's trying to connect. I think she's a lot less popular now, but at one point it seemed like everyone thought Carr was synonymous with great poetry, and it would drive me up the wall. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, I don't have anything to say because I don't know Rupi Kaur. I haven't read Rupi Kaur. Um, I know everybody and their mom is like, I love Rupi Kaur. Except for for JV Ball 8 and 1.8 thousand other people. But... um, And Postmodern Mermaid. (sighs) (laughs) I like that name, though. I like the second comment. She was a sunflower. 
and he was a lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that's just like a crazy, a crazy diss on her. Oh my god. Uh, so I will say, I mean, I I like Ruby Carr a lot. I think she's a great artist. I've taken like her. She'll do like. Um, Instagram live writing workshops that I have done and I think they're fantastic I love doing them and I think that this kind of like poetry gatekeeping is ridiculous because yes her poetry could be considered perhaps maybe like more simplistic because it's like short little snippets of poetry but I think what she's doing is is really awesome and I think that you know her poetry is like it's a certain type of poetry it's like it's a very modern people sometimes call it like instagram poetry or whatever and somebody like i see in the comments is like she's an instagram gateway drug to actual poetry and... i was just about to ask you what you think about that comment <laughs> like i do i think that ruby Carr is potentially like more accessible for people who like are intimidated by poetry and so they might start off with something, yeah, like Rupi Carr, or um, there's uh, a couple other like really kind of more popular quote unquote Instagram poets. Um, and I think if that's how people get into the poetry, then that's awesome because poetry is great. And if you start with Rupi Carr and you stay with Rupi Carr, that's awesome. And if you start with Rupi Carr and you go to Walt Whitman, that's cool too. Like, so I I, I think like yeah, I don't know. I really like her, so, and I think that part of her art and her poetry is also, like, her performing her poetry, um, which is something that I, I think people maybe don't recognize as much, but, mm. yeah, she's super well-spoken. <clears throat> also, just don't gate, don't gatekeep things like this. Like, if this is how people get into poetry, then that's, that's fine. Like, like her, if anybody is getting into a hobby and they, they're like, yeah, I like this, like, super popular mainstream thing. But they're just getting into it and they just, maybe they haven't gone through the the depths of the internet to find, like, the really, like, obscure artists or authors and stuff. Then let them live, man. Don't get keep. Exactly. Plus, she's a super awesome Canadian poetry icon, which we're here for. Next, Next hot take. You're allowed to not like a book. And if you don't like a book, you're allowed to stop reading it. No one has a gun to your head. We just talked about this on our last episode. <laughs> if you haven't listened to our last episode, why don't you head on back to episode five and just give it a check out where we talk about not finishing books. Thanks, guys. Ah, yeah. Shameless plug. <laughs> oh. oh, I just found another good one. Um, <laughs> but I don't want to skip forward too quickly from this one because I wholeheartedly agree with this. Yeah, I mean, we agree with it. We talked about it. Um, if you don't like a book, it's okay. You can read a different book because if you force yourself to read that book, you're going to put yourself into a reading slump. And there's nothing worse than reading slumps. Only death. Seriously. And other horrible things in life. But you get what I'm saying. Next okay, this one is I hate when dialogue isn't in quotations. A little here and there is fine, but it's much easier to follow when it is. There's no qu quotations in Severance, actually. 
Oh yeah, I forgot. That's right. Yeah. How's your experience I, been with that? I don't care, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did. I did notice it though. Like you, it doesn't go unnoticed. Like, um, like I did notice. But um, in the end, is it a little harder to follow? I think it might be. Yes, I think it might be. But I think it's something that people can easily adapt to if they need to. Yes, I agree with that. Like, I think it's if that's if you're reading a book with no quotations, like by the 20th page, typically you're like in the groove. Mm -hmm. But I guess my beef is when I feel like authors do it stylistically to make their book more modern when it's really unnecessary. Yeah. Like you could just put them in. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like, why, why not just put them in? Unless there's some sort of, like, really distinct stylistic reason. Like, you're purposely trying to blur the lines between dialogue and thinking, and you want people to try to guess or, like, maybe not know whether something's thought or said. That's one thing. But if you just want your book to look cool and you take out all the quotations... That's so frustrating. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I get that. I get that. Like, it just it just becomes so much more clear when the quotations are in there. Oh my goodness, somebody else is coming for the alchemist. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I effing hated the alchemist. Utter nonsense wrapped in feel-good pop philosophy and a hero journey's aesthetic. Okay, that's a little intense. <laughs> I didn't feel that strongly about it. I'm going to have to read it so I can give my opinion on it. Next Ooh, I've got one for you. Okay. I can't stand Neil Gaiman's writing. I've tried to read Stardust, American Gods, all the popular ones, stop reading after a few chapters. The only Neil Gaiman book I was able to finish was Neverwhere. And that was only because I was on a 16-hour flight and it was all I had. I think this uh, fiction fanatic 42 is an absolute idiot. Um... <laughs> We get pretty sensitive when people come for our favorite <laughs> authors, as you can tell. Just joking, Fiction Fanatic 42, you can have your own opinion, but just know it's not correct. Um, I don't know what to say here. That's upsetting, <laughs> because I love Neil Gaiman. Um, all I can say is don't listen to this guy. Yeah, it might have 4.8k upvotes. Wow. But those are 4.8k of people that don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> uh, that's upsetting. Right? I'm sorry that I had to do that to you, but... It's okay. It's highlighted in a red box. There's no way I could have skipped it. <laughs> Next I watched the movie slash TV show before reading the book. The reason is because if you read the book first, you almost always hate the movie. If you watch it first, you might actually enjoy it. And then get even more out of it when you read the book. Yes, you'll probably enjoy the book marginally less than reading it movie unseen, but I think the net positive of enjoying both mediums is worth it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to agree with the, the first comment on that one, which is good unpopular opinion. I, dis I disagree, but you make good points. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad, it's honestly not a bad opinion. Um, I have like a couple, like my best... <laughs> My best example of me reading the book before the movie would be Ready Player One. Mm 
Um, the book is is really good, and I loved it. And then I went to watch the movie, and all my friends were like, yeah, that was pretty good. And I was like, honestly, it was poop. <laughs> to me. I don't know. Maybe other people who've read the novel like the movie. But that was like, that's like though that's like a a good example I can think of where I wish I read the movie read the movie I wish I watched the movie first and then read the book because other people were saying like yeah it was pretty good um, but I read the book before I watched the movie and the book is a really good well written book and the movie was just like I was like where's this where's this why isn't this happening why isn't this happening and uh, it definitely ruined it for me no that's not good. No, yeah. I mean, I feel like I really don't like watching movies or shows before I read the book. I go out of my way not to do that because sometimes I do end up liking the movie or the show better than the book. For example, normal people. Um, But I like to have my creative autonomy in my head and think of the world and the characters and what they look like. And what they sound like myself first. And I think if you watch the movie or show, then that work like gets done for you. And it kind of ruins some of the experience of reading, in my personal opinion. Yeah, you get it a lot in uh, manga and anime, too. It's like they try to wrap up like a whole like 24 volume manga series in like 12 episodes. And you're just like, well, that didn't work out very well, did it? <laughs> yeah. But, um... And I like this. Think, co- Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, yeah, if you if you watch the movie or the show, then like I, you like already have the actors and what they look like and how their mannerisms and stuff like in your brain. So that when you read the book, it's just like reading a screenplay for right. the movie, right? I don't know. Yeah. That's what I think, yeah. at least. <laughs> I like this comment under the initial post, and it says, uh, "Movie before book." I am learning so many new things about the characters and world. What a fun experience. Book before movie. What is this drivel? Why is everyone miscast? Why did they change so many plot points? Why is my favorite character absent? That's not how it's supposed to happen. Who signed off on this abomination? And that is how I feel about it. So. <laughs> cough, cough, divergent. Oh, the biggest heartbreak <laughs> ever. Oh, horrible. Next, when it comes to to film adaptations, the books don't matter. Um, that's so. I respectfully disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine just like making a making a movie of based on a book, but just like not using any of like the book material. Like what? Uh, I feel like that's horrible. Honestly. You know, it would be so interesting to just have a book debate club. <laughs> it would be interesting. <sighs> Next, Next five, 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 five. Mistborn, dash. Oh, no. Loved the books when I was younger, but trying to reread them now and they feel like a slightly puffed up YA book, the way the relationships are handled. Still love the books, but they're not the best of the best, like I would have said in the past. Um... I disagree. I feel like the relationship building and stuff is not... It's, like, more than, like, a YA level, for sure. 
Like, I know they are trying to re kind of rebrand it as that, I think, sometimes. But I don't think so. I personally don't really like why novels, except for Scythe, that trilogy was really good. Um, but I think the relationships were, were done well. There's no, like, super cringy, like, love triangle or anything. Like, there's a couple interests and stuff. But, like, the relationship is is like pretty set in stone and it's not like the main thing you're focused on the whole time it is a very big part of the story but i think it's a good part i can't comment on this because i haven't read mistborn but yeah i'll i'll take mistborn. your word for it because i feel like if there was anything remotely ya romancy going on you wouldn't like it so yeah i will I don't know. Maybe maybe I haven't read enough YA to really know, but who knows. My least favorite thing about YA, YA, we were actually talking about this at work, is that sometimes the main plot point is just results off of somebody like not talking to an adult about what's going on in their life. Like we were just like, if you would just talk to your parents this could be so much better, this situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Next, Next hot take. Hey, 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 hey. People should read whatever they want. This includes reading level, subject matter, whatever. Sometimes I just want to read a book made for 13-year-olds. It's easy <laughs> and the story can still be great. Sometimes I want to read that trope-filled action novel that makes me roll my eyes because I can just turn my brain off and get into that ridiculous mess. Don't be ashamed of what you're reading. The problem isn't any unpopular opinion, but people need to... This probably isn't an unpopular opinion, but people need to be reminded of this. Yeah. I 100% agree. Read as much as, want. As much as, like, I was saying my least favorite thing about YA, YA novels, that's, like, definitely doesn't exist in all YA novels. I have, like, at least five sitting on my TBR right now. Also, at least five middle grade novels sitting on my TBR. Mm. Like... Sometimes you need that stuff where you can just shut your brain off and read it. You don't want to. You don't want to constantly be thinking deep about every single line you're reading. That just isn't always fun, at least for yeah. me. And I don't know. I read a lot of YA and YA and middle grade for nostalgia too. Yeah, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. It is. <laughs> I find a lot of the classics difficult to get through. Not because the prose is too difficult, or the deeper meanings and themes are a mystery, but because the plot and characters are so dreadfully boring. The Iliad lost me when Homer spent ten straight pages describing in excruciating detail how many soldiers and ships each individual Greek island and city sent to fight in the war. Some are great. I really enjoyed War and Peace portrait of Dorian Gray and Dr. Jek Dr. Jekyll Dr. And Jekyll. Mr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But the sun also rises and the catcher in the rye just felt like monumental wastes of time. Wow. Wow. I can I didn't read the whole thing at first, but the catcher in the rye I agree with the catcher in the rye. <laughs> <laughs> Franny and Zoe is the superior Salinger. I've said it before, I will say it again. <laughs> How do you feel about that whole post? The classic situation? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't disagree. I think there's some classics that are difficult. 
Um, and sometimes they can be like, I guess they're, they can be difficult because like it's a different type of English that's being used. They can be a little bit boring, but I feel like, I mean, no one's gonna, no one's gonna love every single classic. I feel like if you think you are, if you say that you're probably lying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that there is a certain value in sticking with classics that are tough because like it's kind of the nature of classics they're just always going to be tougher reads but i think if you stick with certain ones that really like you think would eventually work for you then it's rewarding when you do get through them so but i like i do still agree with what this person is saying like some classics are great and then you have some classics that you're just are just so dry and just like so like matter of fact uh and not in a good way like a metamorphosis for example but um yeah just so hard to get through sometimes but some of them are just like i feel like they can be like important to read sometimes but at the same time you don't need to read classics at all if you don't want to yeah to me like I definitely don't think anyone has to read classics. If it's not your thing, then I don't feel like anybody's less of a reader because they don't read classics. But one of the joys that I've gotten out of reading classics is being able to pick up um, references in modern books to classics. I think it's kind of fun, but yeah. I, that's, that's not necessary to the reading experience, but it's a value no. I've found. Yeah, I don't find the prose difficult, but I find it very dry for the most part in a lot of classics. Last Okay, this one is a build off of a previous conversation. Okay. I couldn't stand Ready Player One. Follow up <laughs> comment. I feel like the entire book was just one big nostalgia circle jerk. The author figured if he just referenced enough quirky shit from our childhood, folks wouldn't realize the story was otherwise crap. It definitely wasn't the book for me. Follow up comment. Somebody quoted the, I feel like the entire book was just one big nostalgia circle jerk, and then said, I feel like that wasn't even subtext. The plot literally revolves around nostalgia circle jerking. I couldn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you get out of my circle jerk then. I don't know. <laughs> I why why do people hate nostalgia? I like I don't nostalgia. Know. Like, I, liked, I liked reading about all the, the old things that he referenced to. Like, I thought it was a fun little adventure. God, people are people hating on my nostalgia <laughs> circle jerk. Well, I don't want to jerk you anyways. Get out of here. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh man. People really <laughs> just, like, woke up and chose violence on this one, I think. I like, I like the book. Um, I don't know what else to say. It is very, it is a nostalgic circle jerk, like 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm not even going to deny that, but I liked it. So I, I guess I, I will just, it's, I'm just part of that nostalgic circle jerk. What can I say? I haven't read it, so I have no comment. However, I do love nostalgia, so. Like, it just touches on so much nostalgic pop culture. Like, I don't know. Get over it. <laughs> Maybe it's maybe it's not the most wonderfully written book in the world, but it was fun. So whatever. Whatever. 
think we'll wrap it up there because we're we're pushing on to like an hour and i think that's enough of telling people they're wrong for today's episode (laughs) (laughs) but first we will do our drink reviews Ashley? I loved my peach pear La Croix. <laughs> it was delicious and just fantastic as always. And I will give it 10 out of 10. I'll pass that off to you. Ooh, almost dropped it. All right. Aloha Sour by Side Launch brewing company was uh, actually delicious um sours are great <laughs> they are they're great. so fruity and delicious and they don't even taste like beer half the time um it was great yeah i don't know it was it's very interesting and the can is very pretty oh it is pretty yeah. i love it but um i'm gonna give it I'm going to give it a solid 8 out of 10. It's not a perfect beer, but it was great. I love it. I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. If you stuck with us till the end, as always, we appreciate you. Big kisses. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on Pour Over the Pages podcast. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.